Hello and welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. I'm Oscar. And I'm Alice. And we've been away for a little while, but as everyone knows, we're still in the midst of a COVID pandemic, and so theatre's been slow. But we have, Alice, you've actually been to a real-life theatre. Yeah, I'm going to tell you all about that. I've been to the Southwark Playhouse. And I have watched um, an online production from Crazy Cox. Oh yeah, I really want to hear about that. And then we also had an Olivier Awards, if, you know, sort of scaled down version of the Olivier Awards, which we can chat about as well. I also want to discuss um, a craze that's over London, which is brunch, which I know isn't technically theatre, but it's there are theatrical elements to it. What do you mean? Brunch is taking over London like never before. That's what people do now. Every weekend, there is a different brunch happening. The tickets are selling out. Um, So like this weekend, we're going to one and it's at this restaurant called Folly. And it's going to be with drag queens. So excited. And it's a 90 minute show and you get cocktails and you book a table. And I'm just so excited. Oh, interesting. So I'll tell you what it's like. (laughs) It's called it's called uh, drag diva brunch. I just I just want to be just want to be entertained, Oscar. I know, right? So before we start talking about theatre and stuff, um, how have you been, Al? I haven't spoken to you in a while. What have you been up to? Well, I've got my podcasting hat on today, but I'm also basically Mrs. Doubtfire now. What? How are you, Mrs. Doubtfire? (laughs) Because I have started a new job, but I am still doing one day a week where I go to the office and do my old job. And yesterday it was like, oh, I'll just be one minute. I'm just going to powder my nose. And then I'm going into the other office and be like, hi, yeah, I'm here. What can I help you with? So you're doing both at the same time? I am doing two jobs at the same time. And it's really starting to get quite hilarious. Classical. It's just so stressful. I just don't know if I can I can do it. <laughs> so yeah, that's been my week. It's been quite stressful. But um, I did last Sunday go and see a musical evening, it was called, at the Southwark Playhouse. I'm so jealous. And who was, who was starring in this musical evening? A Night at the Musicals is hosted by actress Christina Modestu. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And the performance was completely sold out. But when I saw that Jenna Russell was going to be a special guest, I was like, I have to go. So I just called up the box office on Saturday and they said, no, it was sold out. Then I called them back on Sunday and they said, yeah, we've had two tickets released. So I just grabbed one of them. I love it when that happens. Oh, that's what you get if you persevere. Never take no for a first answer. Like when you got us those funny girl tickets at the Menier and it was like totally sold out and you got us two on the front row. Sheridan Smith, baby. That was a good day. Yeah, and I was like, Oscar, how how soon can you get how down to... How quickly can you get... Yeah, that was good. Jumped on that bus. Yeah, that was so much fun. So? So it was live streamed, which you could pay, pay to see it live streamed, but I just bought tickets, £22, and I w- went into the theatre and I didn't really know what to expect because obviously... I know that they're doing things differently now because of trying to keep people socially distanced. And what was quite interesting is that they had sectioned off with Perspex screens different people's sections of seats. So because I just bought one ticket, there was a Perspex screen between me and the man next to me. Mm-hmm. And man next to me was with a group of a few people. So they all of their seats were together and then a Perspex screen next to the next group. Isn't that clever? I actually, even if... Even if we this vaccine happens and we don't need to be partitioning seats, I want I would like this to stay. Just all the time. <laughs> because I don't want somebody encroaching into my seat or 
like that you know sometimes people have like wine and it stinks because it's right next to you Mm -hmm. yeah really stinky red yeah (laughs) (laughs) um really strong malbec i just quite like to have these partitions up all the time so i really enjoyed that and then to avoid people going to the bar what southwark playhouse are doing is they're having waitresses come and take your pre-interval drinks order oh okay i i can get on board with this you know i like it there's no like yeah, none of the hustle and bustle. Yeah, somebody brings you your drinks in the interval. It's lovely. So it's a cabaret evening where she's Christina's taking you through musicals that she loves, musicals that she has been in. She's been in some really big shows. We Will Rock You, she's been in Six. In fact, she was the original, I think she was in the original cast of Six as Anne Boleyn. Is that right, Oscar? From the, from the, cast, the original cast album. Yeah, she was uh, Anne Boleyn. So some of the songs that she sung were really big numbers and others sort of like Wicked was amazing. But the song that she sung when she first came out was from The Little Mermaid. And I just love, that's the first film I ever went to see at the cinema, do you know? Little Mermaid. Yeah, I do know that. Okay, fine. Um, And it was just, her voice is so good. She's got such a clear, crisp, but sweet voice, but it's not screechy and it's not saccharine. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Oh, the other song I thought, oh, Oscar would like this, was the song from In the Heights that she, she was in In the Heights. And it's oh. the song It's the song where the girl comes back and I think she's been to university and she's... Oh, yeah, it's called Breathe. Yes, and that yeah. was really good. I mean, I had goosebumps on my arm. Then what's the other... Oh, and then Jenna Russell comes out. <sighs> and Jenna and Christina were in You're in Town together. Ah. You're in Town is one of our favourite musicals we how many times do you think we saw that oscar about four times yeah because we saw it at the what was then the st james's and is now the other palace and then it transferred well they actually spoke they were actually they told quite a funny story about jenna um and a sort of mishap that she had on stage and how she just sort of like it was quite funny and then they said right we're gonna sing this song together but we don't like to look at each other when we sing it because it can really put each other off and i thought that's weird are they gonna get emotional like if they if they make eye contact i couldn't understand why they wouldn't want to look at each other so they mm-hmm. turned their backs to each other and they sung Get Happy, which is the song uh, Judy Garland sang. Oh, yes. And she famously duetted with Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. If you, if you Google Barbara Streisand and Judy Garland singing that song, that's pretty much the um, arrangement that Jenna and Christina mm-hmm. did together. It was so the harmonies were just... <sighs> Oscar, they were so good, and and then I thought, oh, I understand so why they they can't look at each other because they're singing over the top of each other, and you'd yeah. you'd, you'd lose your place, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite hard because you're kind of almost singing two different songs. There's two different melodies sort of underneath each other. Yeah, yeah. it was oh, so good, incredible. Oscar. So they sung that together, and you could tell they were just loving it. They were loving it, and then they sung, and then and then Christina sat down, and Jenna sung, "I'd rather have the moon." Oh, that's amazing. She sung that when we saw her concert at uh, Leicester Square, didn't she? Yes, she did. And it was just as good. And what was interesting is that Christina obviously has a more powerful voice than having watched a few songs by Christina before Jenna came out. Christina's definitely got the more powerful voice in terms of range and um, volume. But But Jenna Russell, her pacing of a song, her intention, her concentration, her ability to take everyone along with her, I mm-hmm. I don't I couldn't even remember what that song was from, but I was nearly in tears. It it's was so, so good, moving. isn't it? It's per- that song's perfect for Jenna. It's like it's written for her because it's it's kind of got the comedy, but then undercut with 
you know, real emotion and sadness, which is what she does amazingly. Um, so that was just a fantastic evening and I loved every minute of it and I'm it was so just jealous. Oh well I'm really sad to have missed that. That sounded just like totally my cup of tea. Cool. Well let's um talk about the live screening that I saw. This one um was like it wasn't a live performance, this was kind of a pre-shot, more like a film at the Crazy Cox, which is a cabaret venue in London. And this was a musical called First Date. Music and lyrics by Alan Zachary and Michael Weiner and book by Austin Weinsberg. And this production is Lambert Productions and Crazy Crocs. And it is about a couple who meet on a first date. And it's about the awkward awkwardness of meeting on a first date. And at first they don't necessarily get on. And then... Oh, so like, about... the, like the TV show? Yeah, it feels very like the TV show, actually. So the main cast is Samantha Barks and Simon Lipkin. They play our lead couple. And then there's a an ensemble of three actors. So it's Nicholas McLean, Danielle Steers and Oscar Connell Murray or Murray. And they play various roles throughout. So the couple first meet, then the ensemble play the bar, bar staff, the waiters. Then they oh, also kind of play. They also play, you know, like the friend that calls up on the phone to give them the kind of get out call. Like if the date's not going well. Nicholas McLean plays Simon Lipkin's friend and he's calls up to be like, this is your call if you want to kind of uh, get out of this awkward date. So I thought things like that were quite funny. Just all your, you know, a bit cliched, your kind of classic first date stuff. And I think that the central couple, Samantha Barks and Simon Lipkin, did really well together. I think he's just got like bags of personality mm-hmm. as an actor. And I think there was a little bit of kind of, I didn't really get why the date was so, when they sort of showed up, I think he was supposed to be a bit kind of nerdy and awkward, but and she was a bit kind of cool, I think was the idea, but I didn't totally get that. So it was a bit like, it's not that awkward, but I think they kind of, they warmed up as it went and you kind of saw them slowly starting to like find more in common mm-hmm. and they kind of sing often what's going on in their brains. And that was one of the best songs, was one of the ones at the beginning called First Impression, where they both kind of say what they think their first impressions are of each other sort of in their mind. And I thought that was a good song. But I think after that, it went a little downhill musically for me. I think sometimes the lyrics shone a bit more than the music. There were a couple of quite funny funny lyrics in there, kind of fast and witty, witty kind of stuff. But overall, I think the music was a bit bland unfortunately i think they did a pretty good job considering i you know i don't think the budget for this was very big i think this is obviously like a passion project and it's great that they're doing something to get theater out there and but i do think that they kind of missed a trick with obviously because it was just the kind of two main stars and then the ensemble when they were sat at the table in crazy cox they obviously didn't have a full restaurant of people sat behind them but what they what they could have done is just had some ambient sound they didn't have any ambient background noise so it was just the two leads sat at a table and then you were very aware that they were filming in a big empty room where there were no other diners you had to really suspend your disbelief that they were on a first date in a restaurant and I kind Mm -hmm. of thought all you needed was a sound bed of ambient restaurant noise that would have helped fill in the blanks. And we would have imagined, okay, on the other side of this, there's a restaurant full of people, but we're just looking at them. So yeah, the production could have used some work. Mm -hmm. But I think the main takeaway was, although I didn't love the music, and I wouldn't really recommend it as a musical, I think that Simon Lipkin is a great comedic performer. And he really, you know, I just kept thinking like someone should put him in a sitcom, like he's got that easy presence, light, lovable kind of vibe. So I thought he really carried the story. And then Samantha Barks just has a really great voice and a perfect voice for this because it's a 
it's just like a strong pop voice, you know, musical mm-hmm. theatre, but that really strong, it sounds like she was, although they were both just being recorded live, I believe it sounded studio produced. Her voice is just really strong. So I thought that was another real positive. Her songs just, she sounded brilliant. But I don't think it was a, a majorly successful production overall. And I don't see why they chose this. Just not a great musical. So it seems like an odd choice to have redone. I would have rather mm-hmm. seen the two of them do the last five years or something else. Interesting. Yeah, it's finished now anyway. It was just on for a couple of nights from the 22nd to 24th of October. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Because I'm tight. And on that note, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that, really. Okay, well, I'm glad that you've done a screening. Yeah. Um, the other thing I watched, which was on TV, and I watched it on ITV Hub, is the Olivier Awards, which went ahead obviously later than planned and in a very different way. It wasn't the big ceremony. It was still hosted by Jason Manford, who we were both pleasantly surprised by his musical theatre skills, weren't we, in Curtains? Oh, yes. I didn't know Jason Manford could sing. Yeah, I mean, I know he had done The Producers, but that's such a comedic vehicle that I kind of assumed that he was mostly there for the comedy half of of his talents. But yeah, he was, I think he was really good in Curtains. So he can host the Olivier's, I'm allowing it. They did it kind of in the front of house of the Palladium. And they had some people accepting awards via a screen where they were remotely somewhere. And then they had a couple of the winners actually come in, collect their award and do a little speech. Um, So let's have a quick run through of notable things that I thought. So Best actress in a play was Sharon D. Clark for Death of a Salesman. And we um, also saw her in Don't Tell Me, Oscar, uh, something Night. Blues in the Night. Blues in the Night, yes. Which was nominated as well in a different category, Best Affiliate Theatre, along with Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner, actually. But yeah, Sharon gave a lovely speech. Um, I actually thought Death of a Salesman was good, but it wasn't. it's not been particularly memorable for me. And it won in another category as well. It won best. Marion Elliott and uh, Miranda Cromwell won best direction for Death of a Salesman. But I can see why people loved it. But for me, it wasn't as good as their production of Company or Sharon D. Clarke in Carolina Change. And I think we had also seen Arthur Miller's All My Sons, which we preferred, even though that hasn't really had the kind of the love here. The only nomination I really noted was best supporting actor for Colin Morgan in All My Sons, but nothing for Sally Fields or Bill Pullman, which I'm really surprised by, to be honest. I'm not that surprised by it. They're Americans. They're Americans. That's true. I thought it was a good production. But yes, I guess um, Death of a Salesman was a more British feeling production, I guess. Mm -hmm. Who else? Andrew Scott won Best Actor in Present Laughter, which neither of us saw, sadly. Um, Little Sam Tutty won Best Actor in a Musical for Dear Evan Hansen. And we saw him in um, that lovely musical at Southwark Playhouse, the youth theatre production of Once on This Island. So it's great to see him doing well. And then best actress in the musical was Miriam Teak Lee for Anne Juliet, which I thought was really great. I still it's need really... to see that. That's back on sale. That's, that's gone back on sale for 2021. Oh, uh, well, I mean, if, if, if ever there was a show to lift your spirits and get back into the theatre with, Anne Juliet is such a fun musical and you have to see it. So that was nominated for Best Musical but didn't win. Waitress and Amelie the Musical also nominated, but it went to Dear Evan Hansen which we haven't seen, but I loved Amelie the Musical. I kind of think that would have been my pick, actually. Yeah, I spoke to somebody the other day um, who doesn't go to the theatre and they said that they'd seen Amelie and were just saying how amazing it was. Yeah, it was quirky. It was different. It's the kind of show we love. Best Musical Revival. 
So the nominees were Joseph in the Mary using Technicolor Dreamcape, nah, Mary Poppins, which you I was still still reeling from your mm. less than positive review of that one. What did that, um, what was that nominated for? Sorry. Best Musical Revival, along with Joseph, Evita in the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre and Fiddler on the Roof. I saw both Evita and Fiddler and I thought Evita, although it's not a musical I love, I thought that was a cool staging and a really like original way to really update it. Oh, I loved that. What, wait, so what won? Fiddler. Oh, that was very successful though, wasn't it? That, that, yeah, that, it, that, and it was a really strong of, production. In terms of bringing something back and really making it, trying to live up to the success of the first time with that that impact. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was extended and extended, wasn't it? Yeah, and it is hard with a, lo- a show that's been so long running and, and you know, Topple was so iconic as the lead. So to have a new lead, I think Angie Nyman did really well. Yeah. What else? Best set design went to Mary Poppins. Best choreography went to Mary Poppins, so Matthew Bourne and Stephen Meir. Now, the choreography I did enjoy in Mary Poppins, but the set design, I definitely remember thinking it was a little unimaginative and a bit basic. Oh, interesting. It 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 didn't really do anything that I thought was that clever. Yeah, yeah. The other nominees were Anne Juliet, which... I mean, it is a pretty cool set. It's it's not, it didn't like blow me away, but there were some great stage effects and it was bright and poppy and really fit the music well. And then Ray Smith, who's just amazing, she's been nominated twice in that category for the other two nominees, which were Uncle Vanya and Rosmasom. And those are both shows that I actually really enjoyed. Um, and her sets were so evocative and realistic, yet theatrical and haunting. I think she's really brilliant. I would have given it to probably Rosmer's home just for the ending when the whole set flooded and all the water rushed down over the floorboards. So what the um what was I gonna ask? Oh, oh. was this was this televised? Sorry. Yes, yeah, so it was on it was on ITV, but I watched it on ITV Hub. So you can still watch it on ITV Hub. And there's a couple of performances. So Sam Tutty sings Waving Through a Window from Dear Evan Hansen. And Miriam Teakley did Baby One More Time, which that's one of my gripes with Anne Juliet, actually, is both the Britney songs are done in a kind of slowed down mm. style. And I really just wanted the like classic pop versions. But anyway, she did that. She was very good. Um, but the best performance was at the end. They had Angela Lloyd Webber on for a chat with Don Black. And then at the end, Sharon D. Clark performed... Um, oh bugger what was the song she did oh that's really gonna annoy me she performed an android Webber song and it was oh i can't remember you'll have to watch it because let me see if i can find it because it was really good i just forgot how amazing sharon d clark is singing like the depth of her voice every time she sings it instantly takes me back to blues in the night or caroline or change you can always just hear the richness of that voice and just kind of i always just see her performances whenever she sings the performances on the Olivier's, they actually worked kind of being stripped back, actually, because I feel like whenever they try and do big cast performances at the Royal Abbott Hall, they never really work because the set's never quite fully there and they always just seem a bit, I don't know, they just never, for me, represent what the actual shows looked like. And, you know, whereas like the Tonys, when you see a Tonys performance, they bring in so much of the set and the full ensemble and like it always feels like you're actually getting a glimpse of what the Broadway show looks like because obviously the budget of the Tonys is just probably incomparable to the Olivier's. And so in preparation for this podcast, I sent you my top five Tony Award. Well, not necessarily top five, but five of the best Tony Award performances for you to watch so we can discuss. I think it is your top five, because when I was watching them, I was like, these are so Oscar. 
Well, they're niche, but I thought, so should we go through them? So number five, it's not like one of the all-time greatest, but I thought you would enjoy it because it's, Sarah it stars Jessica Sarah Jessica Parker. Parker from 1995, I believe, production of Once Upon a Mattress, which originally starred Carol Burnett. And this was just before, obviously, she became huge in Sex in the City. She had done film roles. She had been in the original Broadway production of Annie as a child. So I thought you would get a kick out of that. And she's actually got a pretty good voice. That's what I was going to say. That was my thing that I saw from it. I mean, the performance itself, like the staging and everything, isn't that is nothing. No, exciting. it's nothing special. But you really see what a trained actress and performer Sarah Jessica Parker is. Yeah, she's got a belt on her, doesn't she? It's not the most uh, dynamic voice, but it's it's strong. She's got a craft. Yeah, and I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it's just it's a fun. The song's called Shy from Once Upon a Mattress, if you want to let that one up. I thought it was, I think it's quite fun. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed watching her in that. And it, she looks a little, a little bit like her character from Hocus Pocus. Well, yeah, it would have only been a couple of years after Hocus Pocus. She's got the similar sort of the makeup and the hair and it, she's... Yeah, and a gutsy that, kind of silliness. Yeah, that was enjoyable. Yeah. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. So that's why I put that at number five. In at number four, now this is one I've only just recently found, and it's from a musical called Grand Hotel. The performance called Let's Raise a Glass. And this one is just a fantastic dance number. It features uh, Brent Barrent and Michael Jeter. Um, and Jeter actually went on to win the Tony Award for this performance because it's so incredible. And the number's just kind of two uh, old friends getting drunk at a bar together. Um, and the bar is like a long gold bar that runs across across the stage. But it's like, it's a bar that you can see the, their feet through. It's literally like, a, it's not yes, a bar, it's like, literally, it's literally a pole. And they're, yes, leaning, and they're on leaning on it, on it. and they're in dinner jackets, and behind them is a chorus of um, sort of Busby Barclay-esque dancers in top hats and tap shoes. Oh, they're like hotel porters. They're in like little hotel porter hats. Mm -hmm. And really, this one is just for the performance of Michael Jeter, who Michael Jeter, you might recognise, he played one of the monks in Sister Act 2, back in The Habit. Um, <laughs> oh, but he's yeah. a, Do you remember him from yeah. that? His physicality is just incredible. So it's like, it's almost like an optical illusion. I think I know how they did it. That he's sliding up and down this bar and his legs look like they're made of... So it's rubber. like his top half is leading with his elbows resting on the bar. His bottom half are these little legs and it's like he's a puppet and he's got nothing yeah. in his legs and somebody is throwing his legs and they're twisting around each other. And you sort of think, those aren't his legs. And then you think, I think what's happened is they've put a conveyor belt along the bottom, which is why he's managing to get the speed on his legs. Well, I thought that. So it is either there's like a conveyor, so the floor's moving and they all look like they're sliding, or it's just like genius performance and physical choreography. And it's the way that his legs just slide. It's, I mean, it, it's really worth checking out. It's called Let's Raise a Glass from Grand Hotel. And yeah, I was just mesmerized by him. And he just, it's kind of like a, almost like a Donald O'Connor from Singing in the Rain style, comedy, physical dance just flat out. I thought, I think it's amazing. That was probably my favourite one. I absolutely, really ad admired the talent and just sim the sort of simplicity of it, I suppose. But they're obviously, they've obviously rehearsed that so well as well. Oh yeah. It's, and yeah, having that big ensemble all tapping in the background, I just think it's, uh, it's very cool. That was really good. So what was the third one? 
third one was actually an odd one because it's not like one of my favorite musicals of all time, even though I was in a production at school. Um, but it was Carousel. Oh, this is um, the one that I thought, this is so Oscar. It's yeah. a big dance number from Carousel, and it's a big dance number with dance, all male dancers. It's the male ensemble doing Blow High, Blow Low, which is the sailors' number that they all sing. It's a big, boisterous number, choreographed by Justin Peck. And the choreography, I just think, is amazing. It's, like, balletic, and the performers are so cool. And I just thought the... The concept I thought was really interesting on this one. You can see there is a clear concept that they're like, right, we're going to create with these with this ensemble. We're going to create waves. We're going to create being on a ship. And I just thought the way they did that reminded me of like something Christopher Wilden would do, or in a you know, it, it could have been in a ballet. And just the inventiveness I thought of the way they sort of incorporated like sea shanty jigs into it, mm, but in a ballet way. You know, my big bugbear with any films musical theatre dance performance is that no one ever seems to be able to capture the entirety of the stage and not cut people's feet off and it's always over-edited I loved the way it was filmed yeah filmed really well the Tonys I think are usually filmed pretty well and this one really captured the dance in a in a very cool way and it just let the choreography speak for itself so that's one for the for the choreography lovers and what was the second thing you sent me so this uh, this one was from the 2009 production of Guys and Dolls, and it's Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, which is one of the best musical theatre numbers of all time. But this I thought you would enjoy because Nicey Nicey Johnson, who sings this song, is played by Titus from Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I recognise him straight away. And it's kind of cool as well because there's a major... Mishap on stage, technical issue, honey. So yes, there's a major technical mishap on stage and his, what do they call it, lavalier mic or whatever, the, the forehead mic basically goes out right at the beginning of the production of, of the number. Oh and yeah, you, can, you just... can just hear the, the stage hand going, I'm going on, I'm going on. I'm going now, on. you can hear him because he's grabbed the hand mic. So right at the start, imagine if this was like your massive big moment, you're performing on the Tony Awards and nothing comes out when you sing. Oh. And so someone runs out and gives him a hand mic and just effortlessly, I mean, because it's that's quite a thing to knock your confidence. And then also you kind of got to think right now, I'm performing instead of, yeah, I'm, I'm now going to have to have one hand constantly holding this mic. Um, but I think it's just really, it's one of the better uh, sit down, you're rocking the boats, because I think there's an early 90s Tony performance, which is a bit uninspiring. Oh, yes. Oscar, do you remember when mum and mum took us to see it at the South Bank? At the National Theatre. At the National Theatre. And they sung that song and people wouldn't stop clapping. So they had to perform it again. Yeah. And then people still wouldn't stop clapping. People were stood up and they wouldn't they like- stop and they had to do it a third time. Yes, which is why when we then went to see the Ewan McGregor, Jane Krakowski, Jenna Russell production mm-hmm. a couple of years later, they I remember they made a point to not do any encores and the audience were trying to recreate. They would not stop clapping. And they basically started the rest of the scene dialogue and people were still clapping. And they were like, no, we will not be doing encores. Oh, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember they. I remember thinking, wow, they've really made the choice. that They're like, we're not going to get into that. We're not going to try and compete with that classic national production we're doing our own thing interesting but um yeah so this i thought was really cool and his his vocals amazing and i thought i don't like technically know musically but the bit where the music stops and she kind of gets carried away and then he goes over to her and then he he starts again on this crazy high note that's totally out of where you would usually sing that song in a sort of gospel style that i thought god to come in cold and hit that note just shows his skill is just insane 
he's um he's such a fantastic person to perform he's got so much energy but also he's got those lovely sort of eyes that he just doesn't Mm -hmm. he sort of throws a look and I don't know he just really makes me smile to watch him um and then the final one I was toing and froing of like what do you put as your like number one in my list and I was gonna Mm -hmm. do and I'm telling you from dream girls Jennifer Holiday. that's what mine is that's what mine is and that's but, what I watched after watching what you put. I, yes. I, so I thought that's the obvious choice, but I think I thought Alice would have seen that a million times. I'm trying to like, so I thought let's go for a, an equally epic pre- uh, performance, which is Cynthia Erivo and the 2016 Colour Purple Broadway run singing I'm Here. And I, and I did really enjoy it. And I love um, Cynthia Erivo's voice is incredible. And the song has got, a lot of power to it but the reason that I love Jennifer Holliday's um Tony performance is that song is a standalone song for me yeah it it, it, it stands out from the musical I just like it as a song it, it can relate mm-hmm. to everyday life whereas the yeah. song from A Colour Purple I feel is really intrinsic to that um production and the story uh, yeah narratively yeah so I'm not sure if it would be my I, I was glad that you sent it over to me but it won't be in my memory bank I like listening to it though because it's I've there's obviously her performance on the cast recording, but this because it was live, it's like a little bit more raw. You can hear a slight more a bit more rasp in her voice. I quite enjoyed that. So yeah, I thought that was I thought I'd do that instead of. But of course, like you, the moment I watched that, I then also watched Jennifer Holiday doing, and I'm telling you, did you do amazing. that as well? That's yeah. such what I did. That's so funny. <laughs> Definitely. I was like, yeah, because that's what I was going to choose. So those are my five. I'll maybe I'll, when we release this episode, I'll put them on Instagram stories or something so people can follow those. Um, Tony Awards obviously haven't happened this year, but apparently they will be happening later in the year, some point. Um, and I'm assuming they're going to do a similar thing to the Olivier's, do a kind of socially distance online thing. So I'll be interested to see how they do performances and what they're going to do, how they're going to get around that. Mm, oh, well, that's exciting news. But yeah, we'll keep you updated on that, and we'll maybe I'll do another another top five because I love the Tonys. Okay, yeah, that's fun. I really enjoyed you sending those to me. Yeah, I'll find five more interesting ones because I've been watching some new ones recently. Because I listened to this other podcast called My Little Tonys, where they run down every year of the Tonys. They're not in order. Like each episode, they'll jump to like 2010, or like they'll do an old one and a new one, and they just run through the whole awards ceremony. What was nominated, what performances. So that's um, a cool podcast for anyone who's Tony obsessed like me. Oh, can you put a link to that on the um, on the Instagram? Yes, when we release this episode, it's called My Little Tonys. It's a cool podcast. So I think that's everything, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is, my darling. Do you know what I'm going to? So it's Halloween this weekend, and on Monday... Um, I'm going to an immersive Blair Witch screening. Oh my god! You know how scared I get, Oscar. I don't know why I why I'm have doing you, this. Have you Have you ever seen the Blair Witch Project? You're not a big horror horror fan usually. And you sent me a really good list of things to watch the other day, which I've really enjoyed making my way through. But I, what I don't, I like things like Blair Witch, like creepies, paranormal. I, what I don't mm-hmm. enjoy is people being sewn ass to ass, like. Well, I don't even think those are horror, like um, Hostel or Hostel Saw. The Caterpillar. Those aren't really one. horror films. They're more like, you know, torture porn, gore. Yes, I don't want to watch. I don't want yeah. to see that. But Blair Witch Immersive. What's that going to be? So it's going to like feel the snot coming off her nose. It's in a warehouse in Peckham, and I imagine we'll all be told to stand in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't really have any Halloween plans. I'll probably just watch Sarah Jessica Parker and. 
Hocus Pocus like every, I do every year. Well, what about, um, do you, would you consider The Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas film or a Halloween film or both? Is that with t- the Tim Burton film? Yes. I'd say that was Halloween. Yeah, I mean, it is. there's Christmassy themes, but that's a musical. So that's a good uh, Halloween musical option. Or Rocky Horror Picture Show, of course, is always a Halloween musical fave. Oh, I love that. I might watch Hoax Pocus and Nightmare Before Christmas this Halloween. Do you know that Danny Elfman, who did the music for that, he also sings the voice of Jack the Skellington. The Skellington? Skellington? Why did you say the word Skellington? I don't know why I said it like that. I would usually say <laughs> skeleton. Skellington? Right, well, before we ramble on anymore, um, let's say thanks to our listeners at Theatre Club Podcast. I know we've had some quite big gaps, but obviously everyone knows COVID, theatre's been quiet. We've also been quite busy work-wise all of a sudden. Not me, I've just got the one job. I'm not busy at all. <laughs> so let me just run to the loo. <laughs> oh, my phone's bringing I'll just take it's my mum. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thanks everyone for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Theatre Club Podcast. Um, we'll post those Tony vids and fun news coming up. Thanks so much for listening. And also please rate, review this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen. That would be fantastic. Bye, everybody. Chat to you soon. Bye. Bye.